The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Today's episode is going to be the first in a long series where I'm going to walk you through what it looks like for me to create a new book or series, uh, fiction work. And we're going to be calling this the Fiction Writers Workshop. So welcome to part one, and we're going to say that this episode is about the beginning. I don't know what your process is, but I'm always very interested in what an author's process is, no matter who they are. Uh, When I go to cons, I always go to the writing panels, and I always secretly hope that instead of just talking about their newest project, the authors will talk about their process. When I went to Star Wars Celebration 2018 in Chicago two years ago, I wanted to go to the um, Del Rey panel. And if you don't know, Del Rey is the uh, publishing, the it's like the branch off of the big publishing house that they deal with all the Star Wars stories. And I wanted to see Claudia Gray because I love her and... You'll, you've heard me talk about her before. You'll hear me talk about her again, I'm sure. But while I was in there, uh, the moderator was like, hey, you know, we know this room's full of writers. Why don't we go through the panel and we'll have everybody explain their process. And I was like, yes, I love it when they do this. I'm so excited. So I always want to know the process. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are like me and they want to know what your process is. So I'm going to be going through the process for my newest book, uh, The Time Portal, written under my pen name, Blue McKenzie. And I've been wanting to try writing a book to market for a while. And this just seemed to line up perfectly with an idea that I wanted to expand on. And I found that there's a really big market for time travel stories that in that have to do with survival. Uh, and so I researched the tropes and I got I got everything down and then I started thinking about it. And when I first start a project, my first step is to sit and think about it or walk and think about it or drive and think about it. I want to make sure I understand what the point of the story is and what goals I have for the story. And in this case... The goal is to entertain people, to make them think about things a little bit differently than they already do if they're open to it, and of course to make money. That's the whole motivation behind writing to market is that you know there's an audience and you know that there are readers who are waiting to to buy this kind of story. So making money is part of that. 
uh, list of goals, but for me, it's never my main goal because if not, I would be sorely disappointed and I would have given up on writing a long time ago. So the first thing I do, like I said, is think. And I think about, okay, who's the protagonist? Where are the settings? In this case, there are two settings, right? Because the name of the story is the time portal. And so we know that uh, the protagonist, who in this case is Tyler Hart, he's going to be going through a portal from one setting into another setting and from one time period into another time period. And so I, that's the main idea. And I think about, okay, I start thinking about the setting. I start thinking about the character. And in this case, since I'm writing to market, I researched what kind of character the protagonist needed to be. And in this case, it has to be a white male, which, you know, I would rather have it be, if I'm being honest, I would love to write a black female protagonist, but I'm just not ready for that yet as far as I'd rather just promote uh, a female black author who does a good job at understanding all those nuances because I'm still really researching it. And my next thing would be like, oh, I want to write a female protagonist. But so for this market, I know that for both men and women readers uh, and non-binary readers that they want a white male protagonist. And I'm like, okay, I can get on board with that. And I'm like, but I need to have some kind of diversity in my cast, which uh, representation is very important to me personally as a, as a writer and as an artist. So I went ahead and I made his brother-in-law uh, Latino, and then he, so his niece and nephew, who are also going to come into play later on in the book, uh, are Latinx, and their names are Enzo and uh, Jimona. So I, I can't help myself, but I, I always really plan to try to include uh as many different types of people as I can. For me, I feel like it makes it more interesting. And also, it's easier for me to enter into worlds that are more diverse because I'm from Los Angeles. And so in my heart, <laughs> you know, LA is a very diverse place. And even though I don't really miss living there because of the traffic and the expense, I do miss the diversity. And so I try to take that part of my hometown, Ipatridamu uh, in Greek, to into all of my stories. So I think about the characters and I start looking up names and I, the way that I came up with the protagonist's name for this book, uh, I knew that he was going to be white. I knew that he would be American. Um, and so I went and I looked up the most popular baby names for the time period which he would have been born. And he's about 30-something. So he would have been born uh, around, like, 1990. So I went and looked up most popular baby names in 1990. And then I go through the list, and I never, ever want to pick the most popular name because I just don't like really... Like, it. all three of my kids have very unique names, uh, and their names are from three different cultures. Because I, I don't know, like growing up, my name is Kristen, and there was always, there were always other Kristens, like in my class, or Christine, uh, or Kirsten. I've been called every variation of my name possible, and then my brother's name is Brandon, and that was a very 
I, I have four Brandons in my life right now that like are actively in my life and it gets confusing. So I just like to pick a more uh, obscure name. Like I want it to be in the realm of possibility, but I don't want it to be the number one or number 10 or number 20 name. So in this case, uh, I think Tyler was like about around 30 on this list that I found. And then I, when you're writing, you get to make up things. Uh, so you don't always have to be exactly accurate. And I decided, well, what's one of the things that I'm going to love about this main character that I'm writing? He has heart. So I gave him the last name Hart, H-A-R-T. If I'm uh, being honest, I'll admit that I'm watching the Heart of Dixie on Netflix right now because I'm really interested in the love pentagon that they have going on. And I'd like to see if I can replicate that in some form in a story at some point if I ever decide to write romance. But it, it's not, you know, that's the thing is, when you're writing, you don't really have original, totally unique ideas, but you can take ideas and inspirations from different sources and you can combine them into the story that you're creating. So I came up with the name Tyler Hart and I'm setting the pre-portal time uh, in, you know, early 2010, well, like 2015, Western Pennsylvania, uh, in the forest outside of Monroeville, because I live in Western Pennsylvania now. And guess what? I can actually write about what it's like to be in winter in a place with seasons, because I there's no way I could do that growing up in Southern California and not having lived through snowy winters. Uh, even in Greece, we had a couple snowfalls every winter, but nothing like what we have here in Greensburg. So I was able to kind of unlock, you know, like when you're playing a video game and like you unlock a new talent for your your character, your avatar, you get to do that when you're a writer and you live in different places and you experience different things. So I'm excited to be able to bring that new knowledge of seasonal weather into my story. Uh, and so while I'm in this thinking phase, I basically write down notes on my phone constantly. Uh, I might do it first thing in the morning when I wake up or right before I go to bed at night all throughout the day. Uh, I'm constantly like holding up one finger and telling my husband like, don't talk or I'm going to forget this. And then I'll note it down and then we can continue our conversation. And while I'm in this phase, I also research the world building aspect. And for this, like I said, for the pre- time portal section, I'm using the place where I live now as a type of uh, starting point. But I also had to research what it's going to be like when he goes through on the other side of the tunnel. And I don't know if I'm ready to tell you that yet. But basically, I know what the environment is going to be like where he's going. And I look up what kind of wildlife lives there, uh, how humans would be able to survive. I think about the things that my main character would need to know in order not to die. And I try to give him those tools uh, early on in the story. And then I think about, okay, so these are all the things that the protagonist needs to do. But how am I going to make the reader care? Because like I talk about in story filters, you need to have some kind of uh, vessel in which the character exists, which is also known as the plot, right? 
so that we know what the stakes are. We know why we should be rooting for him. And that is part of the beginning because if I don't have that and I myself can't be convinced to root for the protagonist, then I know that other people are going to have a hard time doing that as well. So I think through the character and setting sheets, uh, which I explain more about in Write the Perfect Way, the fiction edition, and then I think about technology. And in this project, it's uh, I get to... <laughs> I'm basically cheating, okay? So I know I'm writing to market, but there's this one story I've been wanting to tell for years, and I figured out a way to use this write to market series as a jumping off point for people who might be interested, if they're interested in time travel, survival type stories, to where they might want to branch out and try some like kind of time travel space fantasy stories which one of the characters that's going to be in uh, the Heart Time Travel Adventure series, which is what I'm calling this series, uh, she is going to be a protagonist in another time travel space fantasy series that I'm setting up to set the stage for the ultimate project that I've been waiting for years to write uh, with my husband, we went out to dinner for, I believe it was our seventh wedding anniversary, and the entire night he pitched this idea for a book to me, and he wouldn't like let us leave the restaurant until I agreed that I would work on it with him. Well, you know, life happens, and I still haven't been able to work on that project, but I did develop the world, and I developed all the technology and all the rules, and this all has to do with time travel. So I'm excited to be able to implement some of that work in this project, even though this is a different genre. And that's something that, you know, if you're going to write to market, and this is advice that it's not just me that's saying, that, that's saying this. Chris Fox is actually the one. I read his book, uh, Write to Market and Launch to Market. And he says, you know, if you're going to write to market, you should make it so that it's something you're excited about. Because if not, what's the point? And also you're going to hate it. And why would you want to hate writing? Because, I mean, he didn't say this, but I'm going to say it. Why would you want to hate writing? It's the most awesome thing. Like for those who are like me, I was made specifically to write. And my husband reminds me of that all the time when I, when I <laughs> lament to him, oh, what am I doing with my life? He's like, you, you're writing. That's what you were made for. You're, you were made to do this, so just keep doing it. If there isn't anyone in your life who's telling you writing is valuable no matter how much money you make while you're doing it, and you feel like you were born to write, I just want to encourage you, keep going, don't give up, keep acquiring the skills that are going to help you be able to tell the story of your heart. So once I set up my sheets and I have my technology list, and I basically name everything because for me, coming up with new names as I'm writing really slows me down, and I know that about myself. And maybe you're the kind of person where you can just say, okay, I need a name for this, and you come up with it like super quick. For me, I'm not that way. The naming of everything takes research and rationale, and so I try to do as much of that before I actually start writing because once I get into the flow of writing the story, I don't want to be taken out of that because I need a name. 
I don't want to be taken out of that because I need the name for something. And uh, my friend Jess, she's also a writer. She likes to insert like titles where she can't think of names. I can't do that. I tried it because she's like, why don't you just try it? And I tried it and it drives me insane and I don't want to have to do find and replace. So I just decided from now on, I'm coming up with the names beforehand. So for this story that I'm planning right now, I already have the names of all the really important characters. I'm going to make a list of side character potential names, potential side character names, and then I'll get started because I want to have all that ready to go and I want to have, I don't want to lose my momentum. And I know I've done that in the past where I I haven't done all the preparation that I need to do and then uh, I get stuck. And also, I don't create a very detailed outline, which I know it sounds counterintuitive to all the planning that I'm telling you to do, but I've found that if I try to set up every scene or even every chapter, I really feel limited and I can't think of things that should naturally happen in order to move the plot forward. So what I do is I create a very bare outline where I have, I basically take the plot points and then I figure out how long I want the book to be and then I start doing what I call book maths. And book maths for me, uh, and I did talk about this in Write the Perfect Read, the fiction edition, is I figure out how long my book needs to be. And in this case, my book needs to hit 75,000 words, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal if you've written long works before. And I have, but I feel like the longer I write, the shorter my books are because I'm able to accomplish, uh, I'm able to accomplish more things with fewer words, which is great. But the thing is for my target audience, they expect something that's 300 plus pages. So I'm shooting for 75,000 words. And I know that I want each chapter to be around 3000 words. And I go through and I figure out how many chapters do I need? And the answer is 25. Obviously, that's really basic math. Uh, And then I think, okay, I need what are the percentages? And I mark on my outline how, like, at what point in the chapters do the plot points need to happen? I say exactly what's going to happen in the plot points. And that's basically all I do. That's my whole outline. And then I try to fit in character goals as I'm going. And my character goals are all listed on individual character profile sheets. So... For uh, In this story, one of the things that you don't, I'm going to give away something here, but one of the things that you don't realize right away is that Tyler's sister, Chelsea, and uh, her husband are separated. And so he, he like alludes to it. He's like, you know, things have changed for my sister. They haven't really changed for me. And through that, he starts talking about how, you know, it's been this many years since he quit working on the PD. And in this case, I either needed an, um, I either needed an ex-police or ex-military guy because that's what fits into this trope. And for me, it's much simpler if I just do ex-police because my husband was a police officer and he has a degree in criminal justice. So I can ask him any questions. If I was going to do ex-military, there's definitely people I could ask, but they don't live with me. So I just chose that for the sake of convenience. The reader is finding out that things with his sister are not 
uh, going that well. There's some kind of complication. And so two of the characters that I mentioned earlier, his niece and nephew, who are coming into the book at a later date, uh, Enzo and Humona, one, a, on each one of their character goals, one of them says for their parents to get back together. Because that is a very natural thing to want, uh, even if it's not super realistic. Like, for example, my parents separated when I was, whenever I had my son. Hold on. He's, he's eight. Yeah, like 29-ish, somewhere around there. And uh, it's one of those things where you're, I was like, gosh, I wish they would just get back together because things would be so much simpler for me. And they are very complicated now, if I'm being honest. But I knew it wasn't probably going to happen and that it might not even be the best thing for both of them. But there was just still this instinct, like, you want your parents to be back together. And so whether or not that's going to happen, this is a goal on each one of uh, Enzo and Himono's character sheets. So you have to think about that. And for me, I don't like writing it in the outline. So I just know, okay, at some point I'm going to work this in so that the reader understands that this is one of their goals. And I have the same list for Tyler. And his goal list is obviously more important because he's the protagonist. But I also have like these behind the scenes characters and I need to have goals for them or else the story doesn't make sense. Like for example, why does the mysterious figure in the woods lead Tyler to this one cabin when he smashes his truck into a tree because he's trying to avoid hitting a deer? And, you know, I have to know those things. And I know a lot of writers say, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm just writing to write. I call BS on that. I don't think that's actually what's happening. I think what's happening is that those writers, it, they unconsciously understand that there need to be motivations for things that are happening, and they understand how books are formatted without having to sit down and go through a lesson with me about it. They know, okay, at 25%, at 50%, at 75%, the plot points need to happen. And you know how I know that? Because when I read the books by people who say, oh, I don't use any formula, I'm just a pantser, their books always still follow the formula, and I don't know if that's because of uh, meticulous editing, but I feel like it's instinctual for people who read a lot. And so it's it's something you need to take into consideration when you're planning your first book. And for me, I need to know what chapter the plot points need to hit, and that way I can write myself up to it. But if I make like a diagram of how this is going to happen and this is going to happen, and then that leads into this, which leads into the plot point. I feel so stifled and stuck that I can't do anything. And I've done that a couple of times to myself in books. And writing those books, well, they didn't work out that way. Like, I ended up having to scrap the extremely detailed outlines halfway through because I wasn't being able to commit to them and reach the... It was just... It, it didn't work for me. If that works for you, then you can do it. But I do think there is such a thing as over-planning. And when you are creating art, you have to be able to also go off of instinct instead of always following a super-structured plan. So I would say that, like, my outlines are the skeleton of the story. And I'm filling in the tendons and the vessels and all that stuff and the muscles as I'm writing. Some people want to have everything planned out, and that works for them. So you just have to do 
whatever works for you. Uh, but for me in my process, I now have my bare bones outline. I have started writing chapter one. I'm about 1,500 words into it, and I've already made him do the thing that I need him to do in order for something else to happen on later on in the story. And I know that because I know what's happening 75% of the way through the story. And so I can prepare even now for that setup to make sense to the reader and not have to backtrack and rewrite anything. And that's my goal. I want to do as little rewriting as possible. I like to have a really clean, succinct first draft. I do usually have uh, three to five drafts, but I want the first draft to have almost all of the elements that need to be in the story. In the second draft, I'll go through and clean up things and add scenes. And then for the third draft, that's when I give it to someone else and say, hey, have I cheated uh, when writing any of this? And usually they'll be like, oh yeah, you skipped this scene. And I've talked about this in this podcast before, but a lot of times when I skip a scene, it's because I'm afraid of writing it. So I think I just need to get a little bit braver and then I'll stop having that problem. So that's my process. And once I have the goals of each character and the bare outline and my setting and character worksheets filled out, then I'm usually ready to go and I can start writing and I don't have to take copious notes all day long anymore. So that's the first episode of the Fiction Writers Workshop. The next time uh, we talk about this story, I'm probably going to go over how to write to the first point of conflict. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I'll do that. So I'll look forward to talking to you about that in the next part of the Fiction Writers Workshop. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. writing.